scripture reading today comes from the gospel we call Luke, chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. And it reads, Jesus and his disciples sailed to the Gerasenes land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city and was possessed by demons. For a long time, he had lived among tombs, naked and homeless. When he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down before him. Then he shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had taken possession of him, so he would be bound with leg irons and chains and placed under guard. But he would break his restraints, and the demon would force him into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had entered him. They pleaded with him not to order them back into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, and the demons left the man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. When those who tended the pigs saw what happened, they ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully dressed and completely sane. They were filled with awe. Those people who had actually seen what had happened told them how the demon-possessed man had been delivered. Then everyone gathered from the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave their area because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and returned across the lake. The man from whom the demons had gone begged to come along with Jesus as one of his disciples. And Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell the story of what God has done for you. So he went throughout the city proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, thanks be to God. We are in the time of Lent, and we're doing a series based on this book, Jesus is the Question. You can see the post-it note is over top of Jesus is the answer, and instead it's Jesus is the Question. And it focuses on the 307 questions that Jesus asked and the three questions he actually answered. It kind of points out to us that Jesus was interested in asking questions much more than Jesus was providing answers. And if you have a practice for Lent, great. If you're fasting, if you don't, there are sheets up here that will walk you through the entire New Testament over the course of the Lenten season. Um, so I invite you to participate in something to honor the season. Lent is about self-reflection. It's about examination. It's about evaluating our relationship with God. And we mirror Jesus' time in the wilderness, 40 days, when Jesus went out prior to his ministry. He was baptized and taken out into the wilderness by the Spirit where he faced temptation. And he faced the understanding of who he was and what he was about and what he was not about which is an important thing for any of us to do. What are we about? What are we not about? And so we walk through 40 days. Now, if you actually do the math, 
there are 46 days. But if you see these blacked out things, there are, the Sundays don't count. You can take the Sundays off if you didn't know that. And so that makes 40 days. It's some of that weird church math. You know, one plus one plus one equals one. Trinity, yeah. So Jesus is the question. And today's question is, what is your name? You were given a name at your birth. Some of you still go by this name. Some of you don't go by the name you were given. Some of you know the story behind your name, and some of you don't. Some of you might say there isn't a story, but I would argue that there is. Because I know for, for us, and for maybe many of you, when you have gone to search for the name of your child, you're not trying to invent the name. You're trying to find the name they already have. Which is why sometimes children are born and the parents say, yeah, this, this isn't who we thought it was. We're going to change the name. And that happens. Or how many of you go by your given name, full given name? How many of you go by a nickname, a variation of your given name? How many of you go by a name that has nothing to do with your given name? Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? You can distinguish who your friends and who your strangers are by how they refer to you. When someone on the phone rings and you pick it up and they say, is Joseph there? I know, okay, they're not, they're not close to me. I could probably just hang right back up. And maybe you have the, their own names, or maybe you have names that you wish people wouldn't call you. My dad agreed to name me Joseph as long as no one ever called me Joey. And I don't know why, but something about being called Joey just drives me up the wall. So if you want to see me drive, driven up the wall, you know what to do. But if you're like me, if someone calls you by the wrong name, you need to correct them. Yes, I go by something else. Because you don't feel addressed when your name isn't used. Something about our name. If you've seen somebody that you haven't seen in a while, and you can't think of their name, doesn't it just tear you up? There's something significant. You know who they are, but there's something about knowing their name. Or if you see somebody and they come to you and they don't know yours, it feels strange. But if you do know their name, it's great. You, you feel like there's a connection. I'm important when someone knows my name. And names, I think, are important for us to consider. Um, you know, we, we come into Lent and we wonder, what is our relationship? Who am I? What am I looking for? What is my name? Our story speaks of an encounter today with a demon-possessed Gentile man. And it gives quite the list of what's going on with this man. Now, before they got to the shore of the Gentile territory, because they crossed the lake from Israel into Gentile land, a great storm tried to stop them. Because anytime Jesus goes and breaks a social barrier, especially one from Israel to Gentile land, there's going to be a fuss. And the disciples are freaking out in the storm, but Jesus is calm. And he calms the storm. And he does what only God can do, which is command the waves and the wind. And then he arrives on the shore, and immediately another storm confronts him. A man walks up, and we can name all sorts of stuff about this man. He's Gentile. That's, that's a problem. He's naked. Problem. He's dirty. He lives among the dead. And later we learn he's not too far away from pigs. Big problems for a Jewish person like Jesus. Oh, yeah, he's full of demons. He's been banned from the towns and cities from which he has dwelled and from where he comes. He's often under guard, and he's often chained up, and he shrieks. This is not the kind of person we would probably anticipate welcoming us to a new land and be excited about it. So many problems. The tumult is great. The storm is right there on the shore, but Jesus remains calm. Jesus simply asks, 
What is your name? He draws the demon out. What is your name? And a name is given, legion. Or if we were to bring it into our current context, we might say regiment, because it's a military term referencing a large group of soldiers. A legion is anywhere from two to 6,000 Roman soldiers, and that is giving you an idea how many demons were in this man, how possessed he truly was. Now, Jesus has control of the situation, and the demons are fully aware of it. They're asking him, don't send us to the abyss. Don't torture us. Send us into the pigs so we can go and be destroyed. That's, that's the better option for them. And Jesus says, okay, sounds like, a, sounds like a deal. Sends them on their way. So this man all of a sudden becomes healed or saved or restored. And we find that when people come to see the man on the other side of this, of this cleansing, he is fully dressed, he's of sound mind, and he's sitting at Jesus' feet like a disciple. He wants to be a disciple of Jesus. Why wouldn't you? And Jesus says, no. No, I want you to return to your home, and I want you to tell everyone what God has done for you. And of course, the man goes and doesn't tell what God's done. God, he tells what Jesus has done for him, because he seems to understand that what Jesus has done for him is what God has done for him. But I wonder about the people that he goes to talk to. Imagine that we are the people. Would we believe him? Given his history, his reputation, the last time we saw him, the stories about him, would we receive him into our presence? Would we hear his story? Would we welcome him into our home? Would we call him by a new name? We don't even know what it is. Anyone here have a history of questionable reputation? Anyone here ever had to battle their demons? Has anyone been saved? Yeah. What was your name in your troubled past? Did you go by a different name? Were you known as a different person? If someone said, tell me who this person is, what might they have said? And has that changed? What is your name now? Are you the same person? Do you go by the same name? And it can be confusing in our context because we just come up with names that sound good or maybe they're tied to family history. But names in the Bible have meaning. It's the meaning they are given and then they're translated as names. Does anyone know the real name of Jesus? The Hebrew name. That's close. That's God's name, Yahweh. Jesus is actually, the word Jesus is English from the Greek rendering Jesus, which is the Greek rendering of the Hebrew word Yeshua. Yeshua. And if you were to translate Yeshua into English, it would be Joshua. So Jesus, if you want to call him really by the name he was more well known, it would be Joshua. And Joshua means Jehovah, or Yahweh, saves. That's what the name Joshua means. It's a pretty good name, right? You can understand why when Mary is told, give him the name Yahweh saves. It meant something, which is why they followed that. They believed what Jesus was by his name. Now, Joshua, we find earlier in the Old Testament, again, God saves when they entered Cana. Adam, do you know what the name Adam means? Sort of like man. It's a generic term. There's the word Adama, and Adama in Hebrew means dirt or soil. So when God took the dirt together and molded it into a person, the Adama became Adon, which means dirt person. 
Yeah, his name is not so. If your name's Adam, I'm sorry. Your name means dirt person. Now, when God told Sarah she was going to have a son at an old age, what was her response? You remember? She laughed. So she named her son Laughter, which is translated Isaac. Yeah. And then one of Isaac's sons was always after his brother's birthright, always trying to deceive him and swindle him out of it. In fact, when they came out of the womb, he was hanging on to the heel of his brother because he wanted to be first. And so he was a heel grabber. And so his name, translated in English, heel grabber means Jacob. And Jacob eventually receives a new name. When Jacob's about to enter back into the land of his brother and be restored and reconciled, he wrestles with God. He struggles with God all night. And so he receives a new name in the process, a new identity, a new reputation. He's no longer the deceiver. He is now one who struggles with God, or as we translate it, Israel. And we are all invited into that struggle. David means beloved. Lazarus means God helps. All these names, they have meanings, and we take on the name Israel when we say yes and struggle with God. Now, names often change, right? Jacob to Israel, Saul to Paul, Abram to Abraham, which means father of many. Peter is, is from Simon, and Peter is actually stone, or it can be translated rock, and that'll be another sermon for another time. Names change. So seeing how a name really is more than a word used to simply get your attention... Seeing as a name tells who you are, what you are about, what is your name? And who is it that knows your true name? Jesus is not interested in the things you do as far as understanding who you are. Jesus is interested in knowing your name that reveals your true identity. The true identity that speaks to the heart of who you are beneath the surface. Okay? Beneath my reputation, beneath my history, beneath your accolades and labels, beneath your categories, beneath your surname, beneath the hair color, beneath the skin pigment, beneath your sexuality, beneath your gender, beneath your roles and titles, what name would Jesus know you by? Is it your given name? It might be. I like to think it's mine. Mine's Joseph Patrick, which means he who adds nobility. I'm not proud at all. We want to be in relationship with God. So God came to greet us face to face in Jesus. And more than that, God gave us a piece of God's self to become one in our heart through the Holy Spirit and the ultimate relationship where everything is known about us. You can hide nothing from God. Are you terrified at all? We can't hide from God, and God is not interested in hiding from you. We know God's name. What is God's name? Jesus. Or Yeshua, if you wish. So what is your name? What do you want to be called? Who are you? Is your identity found in your past? Do you still live by what you did? Do other people expect you to live by what you did? Do you live by your accomplishments or maybe your family's accomplishments, maybe your failings, or is your name founded upon your relationship with God who came to cleanse you and restore you and heal you and make you something new through the Holy Spirit? 
And who in your life were to consider that for ourselves? Now let's consider it for others like this demoniac. Who in our life has been shut out? Who's been condemned to the place of the dead where no one lives? Who has a past and a present that is less than appealing? Who's been chained and kept under watch? Who's had their humanity stripped away and who is vulnerable? And who will you be for them? When they encounter you, by what name might you call them? Or by what name might they call you? Might they call you graceful, loving, kind, joyful, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Or might they call you something else? When you encounter them, what name do you use for them? Do you use the name homeless, addict, Afflicted, disordered, rude, ungrateful, sinner. Do they even have a name? Do you know them? Do you see them? And if they've been healed, will you accept their new identity? Who decides what you call them? Who decides if you get back in your boat and simply return to the place you know? What is your name? 